Hello, everyone. What a good morning. For those that don't know, my name is Cade, uh, one of the leaders here at Divergent Church, and, and we're going to finish off the series, The Journey of Salvation. And if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, uh, Naomi has got it up online on our um, podcast and YouTube, so you can follow along. Uh, but the heart of this is that life is a journey. And I guess the question is, where are we heading? What is our focus? Uh, and Scripture makes it very clear that our focus and goal should be Christ. That's our journey. We're heading towards Jesus. And we've talked about uh, how salvation is not just a one-off event. In fact, Scripture talks about being saved. And that is a daily process that, he, that God, the Holy Spirit, is changing us and forming us to become like Christ every day. He's saving us from our old life to our new life. And this is a journey. And you, I hope, I, my hope is that you would step back uh, from your life and really to, to, to assess and and really think about, wow, how much God has helped me and grown me over this journey. And I think it's a great thing to really reflect. Um, we shouldn't stay in our past. We should reflect and see what God is doing and continue to move forward and, and allow God to change us. And so the first week we talked about identity because this is a strong foundation. When we come to choose to follow Christ, we have a new identity. And that identity is in Christ uh, and we talked about how identity is about ident who you identify with. That's what identity means. We identify with now the, with God. He, we identify with His family. Uh, we no longer, Scripture says, we no longer belong to ourselves. We belong to God. And so we talked about the importance of identity uh, and who we belong to. And then we talked about last week the test. You know, on the journey of salvation... We are put to the test. And Scripture, all through Scripture, we see these tests going on uh, with Jesus' followers and, and the prophets. And, and, and I guess even us, we need to understand that we are going through tests. And whether that's God bringing the test or that's the enemy, the, the question is, are we going to pass those tests? And we talked about how God puts us through the obedience test and how He puts us through integrity uh, and then we talked about the fire test, which is often suffering and, and the things that we can't control, but God is trying to shape and mold our character and, and, so, and, and grow our resilience. And I guess the question is, when we go through these tests, are we going to run away or are we going to face them head on? Because I believe if we face them head on and allow God to change and mold us, that He's going to make us stronger in our faith. He's going to grow us. And that is a, a big part of our journey of salvation. Uh, today... Um, let's just start with prayer. Father, I just thank you that we can be here this morning. I pray, Father, that this message uh, this morning that we're going to share, that people would really see uh, a responsibility, uh, Father, to really take on what you have called us to do. And I pray, Father, that this is an important part of our journey. And I pray that, Father, that we are a church that values what we're going to talk about today. In your name, amen. I have a, a picture frame up here, um, <clears throat> and I have a question for you. If you had to select one photo, and this photo was to be displayed at your home, where everyone could see, who would you put in this photo? Who would be the most important people that you would put in this photo? People that you've done your life with. 
Would it be your mum and dad? Would it be, you know, would you put your kids, brothers and sisters, cousins, uncles and aunties, best friends? I want to ask you this question. Did any of you think about your spiritual family? You know, if I was to come to your house, uh, invite myself over, I wonder, would you have pictures of your spiritual family? Now, the challenge is, if you come to my house, you probably wouldn't find that either. And so this message is as challenging for me that it is for you. But I feel like God is wanting to challenge us that I feel like God was saying to me, we don't value spiritual family as much as we should. The way God wants us to value spiritual family. And don't mishear me. I think it's important to still have pictures of your family and, and so forth. But do we value our spiritual family in the same way? And that's what I want to talk about, the power of community and, and on this journey. In Mark 3, 31 to 35, it, we see Jesus. And it says, Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. And he says, Who are my mother and my brothers? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Here we see Jesus challenge people to value their spiritual brothers and sisters. And who are our brothers and sisters? Scripture says those are the ones that do whatever does God's will. Whoever does God's will is our brothers and sisters and our mothers. This, and this is important because we want a family that will encourage us to walk in God's will. Now, as I was reading this, uh, and I know there are different interpretations, but I think this is an important interpretation because here's God speaking to the crowds and, and they're, they're drawing in because they want to walk in God's will. And his mother and brothers, probably not doing it on purpose, were trying to pull him away from that crowd. And I think sometimes our friends and family are pulling us away from God's will. They, they sometimes are giving worldly advice, but actually not godly advice. And so what I was, when I was reading this, Jesus is really saying that we need to put ourselves around people that are going to encourage us to walk in God's will. And this is something that I've learned over my journey, in my journey of salvation. As I've, as I've matured in my faith, it's the people around me that are walking in God's will and encouraging me to also walk in God's will. I've had many within my own family, immediate family, I've had friends who have discouraged me to walk in God's will without knowingly doing it. It can sound like wise words and it's worldly wisdom and it's about money and, and, and saving up for a house and I realized that actually that wasn't what God was saying. And, and I feel like God is saying, are we putting ourselves around people that are going to encourage us in God's will? You know, my heart as a leader is that I want to see you as a church, I want to see you walk in God's will. You know, if you come to me and you feel like God is saying to, to go to this city or go to this place, I am going to see God with you. I'm not going to hold you down. If this is where God is truly calling you, 
I want to encourage it. I want to see you walk in the will of God. That is my heart. And I hope and pray that you would put yourself around those people. You know, since uh, the pandemic, we have seen many churches decline and stop meeting because people decided they didn't need the church anymore. Deciding that spiritual family is not important. They decided it was more convenient to do church online as they could stay in their pajamas and do jobs around the home. I kid you not. I know many that I spoke to who would say, you know, all I can do is put, you know, some headphones in my ear and I can mow the lawn while I'm doing church. Now, can I, can I be honest? Online church was a great thing at that time. We couldn't get out of our houses. It, ha- it was a good short-term thing. But can I tell you, this is not church. That's not true church. You know, the word church means ecclesia, meaning a called out assembly, a gathering, which means a group of people gathering together for a purpose. And that purpose is Christ. I heard Francis Chan say the other day that Christians are willingly handing themselves to Satan. And he said, because he said, Paul told the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 5 to hand an unrepentant man over to Satan by kicking him out of the church. What Francis was saying, sadly, many are willingly handing themselves over to Satan by stepping themselves out of church. They are not seeing the community as important. You know, I love the the parable of uh, when Jesus shared about the shepherd and, and and the lost sheep. You know, it's, it's a beautiful picture. You know, I was sharing it this morning where, where the shepherd leaves the 99 to go for the one. And I've always wondered, why would Jesus leave the 99? Was, was he okay with those 99? Because that's where the strength is. That's where the support is. That's where the protection is. You know, I, I grew up on a farm and, and the sheep would always often come together because of the wolves or the foxes or uh, the enemy. And that, when you're alone, that's when the enemy gets you. And so we should be worried when people don't value the church family. We should be worried that they think they can do faith alone. They are the most vulnerable to the enemy. Paul says, and this is even just as important, Paul says we cannot fully mature without the family. In Ephesians 4, and this is the important part because this is about the journey of salvation, and he says in Ephesians 4:11 to 16, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we grow, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does His work. What Paul is saying, we cannot. We can't mature or attain the fullness, the full measure of Christ without the body of Christ. 
That's what Paul is saying. Without the church, without your spiritual mother and father, your brothers and sisters, you will not reach the fullness of Christ. Family is an important part of our journey. I cannot think of one person in this world that has fully matured without people around them. I highly doubt you could name one. We all need people around us to help us mature. Whether it's children growing up, teenagers, even as adults. And I'm sure you can all think of people who have helped you on this journey that you're on. Helped shape you, correct you, love you, spoke words over you that you didn't see in yourself. And the most important people on the journey should be the ones that point you to Christ, that point you to the will of God, your spiritual family, the church. You know, Scripture is very clear to not forsake the gathering. The church, you know, this is the church and and challenges us to commit our lives to each other, centered on Christ. And as I was reading through the New Testament, these are all the little things that I saw that the writers were encouraging followers to be in the community. They were saying things like, I love one another, forgive each other, regard each other more highly than yourselves, teach and correct each other, encourage each other and bear each other's burdens. Be like what Kieran was speaking about before, be friends with one another, kind, compassionate and generous, serve one another and submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I could keep going, there are more. Can I tell you, you can't do these things behind a screen. This is human interaction. There is connection. There's relationship. You know, Jesus said, people will know you are mine by the way you love one another. How much do we love each other? How much do we value meeting together and and being the family of Christ? Now, you know, you're sitting here this morning and you probably already value community in that sense if you're here. But just because you come on a Sunday and even if you come to LifeCon doesn't mean you're fully part of the family. You can come here and you can go home and not speak to one person. But that's not family. And so how do we be part of family? Paul says in Ephesians to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. First of all, what unifies the church or what even makes the church is the Spirit. You know, 1 Corinthians 12 says what makes a church is those with the Holy Spirit. You know, this is an interesting thing to think about because uh, people aren't followers of Jesus are not part of the church. The church is those that follow Jesus. So if you are here this morning and you don't know Jesus... That doesn't mean you're part of this church. You're a seeker. You're invited. We invite you in and we we love to to walk with you and do the journey. But the people that are part of God's family are those that follow Jesus and have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what unifies us. He's the one that brings unity. And to keep that unity, Paul says it takes effort. It takes effort to keep unity. And why, is that, why does it take effort? Because sin will draw us away. 
So we have the Spirit, and it says, the Scriptures say to, to walk in the Spirit, but the Spirit and the flesh are in opposition. And so the flesh is what separates us from community. Sin is what separates us from community. And that's why we need to be meeting regularly. In fact, you know, we see in Acts 2 that they devoted to each other daily. And that's why we do come and meet, you know, weekly uh, in small groups. Because you know what? If we don't, if we, we, we put ourselves out of community, can I tell you, sin will take place and it will take hold and, and it will separate you from the community. And it takes effort. And effort means sometimes you don't feel like coming but I want you to push past those feelings. Do not let those, those, the, the flesh feelings rule your life. Community is important. We need to come together. We need to regularly encourage each other. We need to correct. We need to forgive each other. To create union, we have to have forgiveness. We need to challenge all, all of us to stay on the right path. You know, I think for, for many of us, you know, we're seeing in the church when someone says uh, something very hard or sometimes it may be offensive, I'm seeing too many just walk away from community and family and go to another church. But, you know, once you're offended, you're always offended. And then someone, you go to that church and you'll be offended there. And then you go to that church and you'll be offended there. Instead, what, is, what Paul is saying, and it's all through Scripture, we need to come to our brothers and sisters and, and forgive and, and bring that unity again. Do not let the enemy get in, in between us. Don't let sin separate us. It takes effort to keep the unity of the church. Can I tell you, our leaders work overtime to keep unity in this community. You don't understand. I, I spend a lot of time with our leaders, and can I tell you, a lot of our conversations are about the unity. How people are saying, you know, gossiping about each other and negative things and, and letting sin get in between. And, and as, as, as spiritual mothers and fathers, we, we want to keep the family together. That's our heart. So if you want to be part of the family, you need to make the efforts. You need to push in. You need to, to, to really to, to, to be part of family. You need to be there. You need to be part of it. Another way that we can be part of family is we need to come to serve, not just be served. We need to come to serve, not just be served. Jesus is very clear that he came to serve and not be served. And he asked his followers to do the same thing, to be servants. You know, I believe on this journey of salvation, if we're going to mature, if we're going to, I think a measure of mature is servanthood. I truly believe that because that's what Jesus was. And serving is not a tick in the box. It's not something we do. It's actually who we are as believers. You know, you don't separate your Sunday serving from your weekly serving. It's, it's who we are. Wherever we go, we serve one another. We serve the people around us. And, and I guess my heart you know, that, that we as a church, you know, and I'm going to talk to our leaders about this, that I want to see everyone in our church serving one another. You know, imagine that picture of everyone serving. I think that would be incredible. Actually, I think that's probably heaven. And aren't we called to bring the kingdom of heaven on earth? You know, and where does that start? That's, that serving starts within the family. 
You know, if you've been coming to this church for many, many years and you haven't served once, there is something there that God needs to deal with. Because that is actually us. As we mature and come to know Christ, we'll know that that is God's heart, is to serve His people. And so my heart is to, to see, see this, this church be a servant church. You know, how beautiful would it be when we see everyone rock up early to help set up? You know, imagine everyone in this room coming before this service and all serving. I, I think it would be incredible. What a powerful thing. You know, and, and when everyone's serving, can I tell you, it doesn't feel like you're serving. It doesn't. You're talking, you're, you're getting... I, I know when I've done things by myself, I don't like it. It feels like a burden when you're serving by yourself. But when you're doing a family, it's incredible. And we see that with Jesus. Uh, and that is the, the, probably the best example is when he's washing the feet. You know, Jesus is washing the feet. And he says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. You'll be blessed if you serve. You know what serving does? If we all serve as a church, it shows that there's no one greater than the other. And don't, don't mishear me. I know that there are new believers here and sometimes I'm... But you know what? If you feel this urge inside you, that's Christ in within you that wants to serve. We shouldn't stop people in the church wanting to serve. And just as important as serving is also receiving people serving. You know, I think it's a beautiful thing to see everyone serve. But you know what? If you want to be family you need to also be able to receive people's help. That's what true families do. I don't know about you, but when I grew up in my family, my mum and dad made it very clear, when you're ever struggling or you need anything, ask. Ask for help. We as a church should be in the same boat. We should be open to helping one another. And, and again, I love that picture of, uh, you know, Jesus serving. And you know what Peter does? Peter's like, no, I should be serving you. What does Jesus do? He rebukes him. What, what, was, what, was, what was the problem there that Peter had? Peter had pride. You know, I think people that refuse help have pride. Thinking they don't need people. They don't need. And I, can I tell you, you will never be, feel like you're part of the family if we don't allow people to help us. You know, just as being a good server, we need to be servees. We need to learn to be served. You know, would you allow Jesus to wash your feet? If he was here today, this is the king, this is the God. Would you allow him to serve and wash your feet? Because Jesus is with all of us, the Holy, he's given us the Holy Spirit, and so we should be able to receive each other's help and serve. The next question is, how does family help us grow our faith? So I've talked about how to be involved and um, 
But how does family help us grow our faith? Can I tell you again that just because you're here on a Sunday and you're in a lifecom doesn't always mean that your faith is growing. Mike Breen says, just because you attend a church or a small group doesn't mean you're being discipled. Being discipled is being challenged. He said challenge is part of discipleship. You know, I don't know if you've read Jesus and how challenging he was towards his own disciples. And if I was to look back in my own journey, where I've grown the most is when I've been challenged the most. You know, often we, we, we can't see the mirror of ourselves. We, we don't see the faults in our own life. And it's often the people around us that help and guide us and challenge us to become more like Christ. And discipleship, challenge comes with discipleship. You know, again, we're going to be talking with our leaders um, in the next couple of weeks about are we challenging the people around us? Are we challenging each other to grow in our faith? You know, and, and this challenge is not a, a place of uh, abuse. This is a, a challenge out of relationship. You know, we love each other. We, we, we encourage and we speak life. And, and when we do that, we can challenge each other. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be the person if it wasn't people like Josh challenging me. You know, my brother, I can remember an example where, um, I've shared this before, where I was at a, a men's conference and one of the preachers said something a little bit off. It wasn't that big of a deal now when I look back. But I went up to that preacher and told him that he was wrong. Do you know what my brother did? He pulled me aside and he rebuked me. Can I tell you, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I was becoming arrogant. I was becoming prideful. And I needed someone like my brother to challenge me because I didn't really see it at the time. Who are those people in your life that are challenging you? Are you willing to receive feedback? Are you willing? Because within us, if we have this heart to be all like Christ, we should be open to challenge and feedback because we want to become more like Jesus. And sometimes we are blind to our own faults. And I, I truly believe that we'll never grow our faith if we're not challenged and not open to challenge. How else do we grow our faith in family? The other thing that is important to understand that our brains have a mirror system and we were made to imitate. I don't know if you, um, you know, I hear it all the time. I hear sons or daughters say, I don't want to be like my father or mother. And unfortunately, as they grow up, you see the traits of their father and mother. And no matter how hard you try, because why? Because we imitate the actions that they do. You know, if you see a child that's anxious, I can guarantee you their parents are anxious. Because that's the mirror system that we have in our brains, that we imitate. And I love that Jesus, um, you know, Jesus, often we, we think that he was just teaching them and then off they would go. But actually Jesus would put action first. You know, you see a number of times where Jesus actually would do something and then the disciples would ask him, why did you do that? He wanted them to imitate him. You know, prayer, they saw him pray. 
And so they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. We see you praying often. So imitation is a big part of family. That's why we need to be together. You cannot imitate behind a screen. You can imitate some things, but... And and I I think this is why we, we need to be together, because it's through imitation that we're going to grow in our faith and learn things that we don't know how to do. And, you know, the problem is not information. You know, there's something about interns. Yes, we have information and it's important, but I can guarantee, and and most of the interns that I talk to, why they love interns is because of the conversations. It's the back and forth and learning from each other and, and watching how they deal with situations. The imitation is what they learn. And I, I think our society, the problem's not information. We've got more information than we've ever had with the internet. Yet, you know, the early church are doing more than what we are doing. The problem's not information, it's imitation. And so my heart is that we as a community, as we do things, we would bring people along with us. You know, I... And I'm talking about, obviously, we don't want to imitate the bad of people. We want to imitate the good, the Christ-likeness in people. And I want to encourage you, and, you know, when we're talking about the body, some of us in the body of Christ, there are things that we may be better at. And in our society, we often pick on the bad. This person's not very good at that, or he's not very good at this. Hey, put that aside. What, what is the Christ-likeness in them? What is something that you truly admire? Because all of us, we have something that God's given us that's greater than the other person. And if we could all imitate the Christ-likeness in everyone, can I tell you, we would grow quicker in our faith. We would mature. You know, I, I think of prayer, you know. Um, he's, probably, he's not here this morning, but Murray, the, the way he prays, he, I don't know. Sometimes I just want to sit with him and just, just show me how to pray. You imagine if we did that more. Imagine if we went, Hey, I, I really, Jack, I love how you connect with the youth. I'm going to spend two weeks just, just on your side and watch you how you interact. That's the imitation that I think Jesus wants us as a community to do. You know, there are people here that know how to share the gospel. Have you ever thought of going alongside them and say, hey, show me how you share the gospel with others? We need to get alongside people to learn. You know something that we probably don't often think about with imitation? that Jesus told us to, to imitate? Children. He says in Matthew 18, he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, when I was reading this, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to really start watching Tom, not the bad things. If you saw him before, you'd be like, I don't want to imitate that, I'm not going to do that. But what is it something about children that God wants us to imitate? And I was, as, I was, as I was thinking about it, what I love that children, children have, that they're honest. Can I be honest? I don't know talk about honesty. I'm sick of people giving me the answer that they expect I want. I wish you'd just be honest. Tell me where you're at. You know, I love when children, when you talk about Jesus or they're honest. And sometimes they get a little bit off because that's all they know. Why don't we just share what we know? 
Stop trying to look good in front of people. You know, that's why I love their humility as children. They don't care if they make mistakes, if they say something wrong or have their faults. They have this humility about them. And I, I think, oh, geez, just if we could learn from them. You know, if we could just learn how they, they live and, and, you know, just how they forgive. You know, I'm amazed of how many fights Tom gets into. He doesn't Im- imitate that from me. But he'll get in a fight and then the next minute he's playing with his friend again. Yet us as adults, we get in a fight and we'll never talk to him again. Jeez, imagine if we could just imitate that. Not get offended so easily. You know, there's some beautiful things. You know what else I love about children is I love how they trust. In fact, they trust so much. That's why Jesus says, be careful. He says in verse 6, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. What he's saying is children are so trusting. They will believe whatever you say. And we, and and obviously he's relaying this with new believers, we need to be careful. If you cause any of these little ones to stumble, that's a pretty harsh warning, he says. Go drown yourself. But what I love is that children trust. Jeez, I wish we could have some more trust. Imagine we could just trust God with our situations, you know, instead of just getting angry with him and walking away that, you know, I know this, the stuff that we go through is hard, but we just got to tr- trust God. And children do that. They do that even though that they know it's a hard situation, they trust their mum and dad. They know that we're, we're wanting to protect them and look after them. So let's be a church that comes along each side and imitates the Christ within us. You know, if you want to be on this journey of salvation, if you want to grow your faith, you need family. You need this church. You need people around you that's going to walk with you and do life with you. You need to allow them to... to, be able to speak in. You need to allow them to serve you. You know, Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Let's be that church. Let's be that church that values our, our spiritual family as much as our immediate family. Let's be a church that values each other just as much as, uh, yeah, our friends. Let's be a church that makes every effort to be unified. Let's be a church that serves one another and receives help from one another. Let's be a church that each one of us brings our gifts, brings what God has given us. Let's be a church that challenges each other to grow in our faith and be a church that learns through imitation. You know, let's do the journey with each other. Let's be a church that is known for the love we have for one another. A church where Christ is the goal. That He is the end goal of our journey. You know, as, as Kieran says, you know, we, we come as sinners. And yes, when we choose to follow Jesus, we are saved. 
But that journey doesn't stop there. Then we are continuing and we will be saved and Jesus is changing us and then we will be saved. Maybe you've just fallen off that road where Jesus was the goal. Maybe you've just lost track. Maybe, you know, you forgot that you belong to the Father. Now, as I was praying this morning um, in my alone time, I just really felt, God, that we need as a church to value prayer for each other. This is another part of being family, that we pray for one another. And so this morning, I want to spend time praying for each other. And so I've asked uh, the leaders to come around the side and front. And my heart would be, you know, you may not be struggling. That's fine. Don't just come to prayer just because only times you have struggles. Prayer should be something that we always come to. Seeking God and seeking His will for our lives. And, and as we go into this new year, prayer should be the starting point. You know, and as a, as a family, prayer is powerful when you spend time with God and go behind closed doors. But prayer is just as powerful as we come together as the church. We pray for one another and we speak prophetic words over each other. And so I just want to, I want to spend this time right now praying for you as a church. Is that okay? And so can I just ask uh, our leaders just to come around the front and side, please? And to be honest, it's not just our leaders. We can all pray for each other. And what I want us to do is I want, and look, we're not a church that forces people to do things. That's up to you. But I want to challenge you to push past your pride and just get prayer for whatever it is. You know, I'd encourage you just to come out and, and get some prophetic words from people and encourage you because that's what family does. We're here to, to help you on your journey. We want to we wanna encourage you and to, to walk into God's will. Um, and so this, this time now, I just want everyone here to get up, go around and just get prayer. And you can pray for each other as we're standing there. If there's not enough people, hey, God works through all of us. Um, but yeah, can we do that? Is that okay? Yeah? Come on. Let's go. Let's get up and pray. Get prayer from people.